and any, anyone else, we're not, you know, it's unclean for them to be with us. But he says, if you'll just speak the word, I know it will be done. Jesus was impressed with that. And then he went on, of course, to heal the man. The other person that Jesus encountered who was out, outside of the covenant was the woman in Matthew 15, 21. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Everyone there? Say amen. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thy son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she cried after us. That grieves me to know that someone cried to God and he couldn't speak back to him. But he did it for us so that we could hear the story and, and know this account. But he answered and he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. <laughs> and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made a whole from that very hour. How many times are we living on crumb diets? We think it's just, just good enough. It's just good enough. Just a little. And I'm telling you, the bread of life, Jesus, was good even in the crumbs. <laughs> but we're not meant to live that life. We're meant to live something much, much more powerful. The covenant that Abraham was given in Genesis 12 was the promise, the covenant God made between him and Abraham and his descendants. And I'll read it. You don't have to turn there. It's just a couple verses. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and to a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And thee, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's where we came in. The Gentiles. All families of the earth will be blessed. And if you go to Acts 10, you will see the fulfillment of that when the word of God came 
to the Gentiles through Peter to Cornelius. And I won't read the whole story. Cornelius is a man, and they call him of the Italian band. He was a devout man, and he's one that actually feared God with all his house. And he gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. This is a man outside of the covenant. And he sees a vision one day when he was fasting of an angel of God coming to him. And the angel said, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send man, men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simone, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou ought to do. And when the angel was departed, Cornelius called two of his servants, and he called a devout soldier that took care of him and waited on him continually. And he declared these things to them, and he sent them to Joppa. In the meantime, Peter is on the housetop praying about the sixth hour. He's hungry, and he was, they were waiting, he was waiting for them to prepare the meal, but he fell into a trance, the King James Version says, verse 10. And he saw heaven open up, and certain vessel descended unto him. And as it had been, a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there was a voice that came unto him, says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter says, Oh, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time. It says, What God hath cleaned, thou call not thou common or unclean. This was done three times. The vessel was received up again to heaven. Peter, doubting in himself what he had seen, the vision, and not understanding the meaning about that time, Cornelius' squad came and inquired about Simon's house and Peter. Peter thought on the vision and the spirit spoken to him. He says, behold, three men seek thee. Now, when you live in the covenant and you commune with God and you have right standing with God and you make it a point to be in relation with them, he's going to speak with you. He's going to talk with you. He is going to communicate with you if you will listen. If you will be sensitive to the speaking of the Holy Spirit. It's usually not a very loud voice. It's a very calm. It's a very quiet. It's peaceful. It's kind. When he speaks to you. Usually not an audible voice, although sometimes you could hear him that way, I'm sure. But it's something that speaks to your heart. And it will always speak the words that coincide and agree with what God's word says. If it ever goes against that, check it. You're not 
probably talking to the Holy Spirit that's probably not speaking. But I, I love that, and I loved in the book I was reading, it talked about how Abraham was such uh, counted righteous that God actually showed up at his tent one day. Now, the promise came to Abraham when he was 75. God taught him to go away, get out of your family's household, leave your land, leave your father's home, and go where I will show you. Abraham traveled for almost 24 years before God showed up at his tent and told him the promise was about to happen. I think that's amazing. If God showed up at your house, would you recognize him first of all? Abraham knew him from the moment he raised up and looked, and they were afar off. It was God and two angels. And Abraham had such a great relationship with him. He told him, he says, by this time next year, Sarah is going to have a child. Now, Abraham laughed. He says, I'm going to be 100 year old. Sarah's in the tent laughing in herself to herself because she's 90. And she's like, what? We don't even have that relationship anymore in our marriage. <laughs> How's that ever going to happen? <laughs> Amongst other things, she was too old, she said. But... If God showed up, isn't that awesome? Relationship with God. And it didn't stop there. God told him the plans that he had that day. He said, do I tell the father of many nations? He kept speaking the promise over him. Since he's going to grow and have a, a family of his own, and he's going to train them right, and they're going to be my people, should I tell him what's going on? And Abraham has the privilege of bargaining with God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he started, I think, at 60 people or 50, either way. And Abraham kept, Lord, if I can speak to you, how about if we had 55, 45, 20, 30? You know, he went down, he went down low. And I mean, what a relationship. What a privilege to have a covenant with a God like that, that trusts you, that will speak to you and give you the plans of his heart, will show you these things. This still goes on today. There are people that still know things that are happening. Your pastor is one of them. He can tell you things. He can tell you so many things. He can see people and, and see the plans God has for them to a certain extent. I love that the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren, Revelations. It's apparent in Job. But you know why? Because God trusts you. God trusts you. He trusts you. That's why the enemy can come and accuse before you of him, before God, because he trusts you. He loves you. What kind of love is that? Do you know if that man did one thing that I'm married to that I thought was suspect? Me and him would have a problem. That boy would be looking for a new home or maybe, you know, something else. But anyways, <laughs> he trusts you. Even though he's seen your past, all the stupid things you did, he probably knows the stupid things you're going to do tomorrow. But he trusts you. This is why the enemy can come and accuse you before him because he trusts you. Being outside of the covenant. Even when you're part of the covenant, 
Still happens every day. We see people do that every day. They live beneath their faith. They live because of their only faith. They don't trust God. They don't have faith. Oh, yeah, he did it for you, but I don't think he's going to do it for me. Cornelius' household was saved. Paul got to teach. And Cornelius even knew. He says, I know that it's, or Peter said, it's unlawful for me to be here as a Jew. He said, but God has told me that it's time to bring the covenant to you. And those are my own words. But that's essentially what it was. It was time to bring that all families of the nation into the covenant with Jesus through Christ to God. And I love that Paul goes on and not only were they saved, they, well, they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's why with people that were with Peter, that went with him, the Jews that went with him, got to see that God's gift wasn't only for them, it was for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It's that covenant. It's the covenant. But yet you look around at our churches and the people, and we're living on a crumb diet. We're living on a crumb diet. We just want bits and pieces and crumbs. And sometimes it's because that's all we have the faith for. We don't see ourselves as people, as a covenant with a God who can speak to them, that has all power and all authority, that can make a difference in our lives. We put what we think about men on God, and he is so much more than what we could even fathom. He has so many plans for us. He has so many things for us to do, but he is not a taskmaster. Master, he's not going to force you into this. It's your free will. It's your free choice. He's going to open the doors for you, and if you have fear and not faith and you step away, the door's closed. Church, we stand at the threshold. We stand at the threshold. There's so many great things that this church in particular can do to change not only Lexington but Kentucky and maybe the nation, but we have to make a choice. We have to make the choice. The crumb diet also comes from people who are just wanting to fix me, just fix this problem, fix this right now, fix this problem, I'll be okay, and then they're back out doing whatever they're we're doing before they don't want the whole bread of life they just want a few pieces to make them satisfied and go about their way and you know make it feel better I don't want that kind of crumb diet I want the whole loaf of bread I want the bread of life that sustains me forever that's got my back no matter what I'm going through that sees the future but yet he's got me, he's got me held, and he's got me, he's gone even before me and has it all worked out. But I can't see that yet. I'm just walking in the dark, living by faith one day at a time. One day at a time, Father, I don't see the answer to this yet. I don't see where I'm going. I don't understand it. But I'm trusting you. And I'm going forward in faith. I'm not looking at what it is that's going around me, but I am trusting you because you've never let me down. I have filed 
so many times. <laughs> but you have never failed me once. Romans 6 and 14. I'm sorry, I'm trying to teach this. <laughs> 6 and 14. This, this whole chapter is so great. It's talk about a complete renewal in us. So many times we live on a crumb diet because we keep remembering what we were, who we were, what we did. We live with regret and images from the past that haunt us. And the enemy uses that and he just shrews that knife in a little bit more. And he brings a little more condemnation, a little more shame. He tries his best to derail you from what God has called but this whole chapter, I can't read it. I don't have the time, but my God, read it all. It basically says, if you die with Christ, you were rose again, resurrected in newness. And verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace. Oh my God, if that doesn't free you from some shackles and chains, I don't know what will from grace i was looking up the hebrew word for sin there and it says that sin it was it's a sin or failure or a fault man i have a lot of failures and i have some faults too but i it doesn't have dominion over me anymore if i choose to walk it out and be free or I can continue to live on that crumb diet and still be bound by those things. Are you living under the law or under grace? Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus said that all power is mine. He says, go into all the world and teach and preach and baptize in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching him all things that I have shown you. And I love the end. He says, and I am with you. I am with you. I looked it up, and the Greek translation of with means that he is among, and we are together. I am with you. I am with you. Verse 3 of that says, says yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Are you living beneath your covenant? Are you living outside of the covenant that we have? Are you living with less than what he died to give you? Are you living on a crumb diet? Take an evaluation of yourself. I beg you. Is there an area where you're like the woman begging for the crumbs that the dogs would get when you really are a child of God and should be sitting up eating the whole bread at the table. I prepare a table in the presence of your enemy. Surely goodness and mercy shall be with me all the days of my life. That's what David learned. The man who spent most of, after being anointed king, hiding from someone in caves, living in the enemy's camps in the land. He made more friends with the enemy than he did with his own people. At one point, there were many that followed him. 
Are you living on a crumb diet? The word tells you who you are. The word tells you the power that you have, the authority that you have through the life that Christ died to give you, through the blood of Jesus. It's not in anything that you're going to do, thank God, because I didn't see where my mistakes and my ideas, great ideas, got me. Thank God he looks at what he's done for us, and I have authority and power through him. So I beg you to look at yourself, examine yourself, See if there's a part that you're just feasting on the crumbs and not the whole bread of life. Walk in his power and authority. In this day, in this time, we are going to need that. You are going to need that. Your family is going to need that. The kingdom needs you to be at 100%. People are dying. Our friends, our family... You may be the only person that can make a difference in that destination. Are you living on a crumb diet? Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor, and we thank you, Father, for all the power that you have and that you've entrusted us, that you trust us and love us so much that you give us the free will with it, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see who we are. Open our eyes to those that need you. And give us the boldness and strength that we need in the hours that we need it to be the kingdom of God on earth, the army of God. To, to snatch them right out of hell, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus, to no longer live on just the crumbs, but on the whole bread of life. Have your way, Father, in the rest of this service. And we give you praise and glory and honor for your wonderful son his sacrifice. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.